0: This Sunday, the scripture reading will be read from Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 19. Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the twelve aside and said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for letting us come together on this special day to praise you. Thank you for sending your Son to teach us how to live and for sacrificing his own life for us. Please help us always remember what was done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning again and happy Easter or maybe more appropriately, happy Resurrection Sunday. You know, as Christians, we have kind of uh, grabbed onto the cross as the symbol of our faith. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, of course, but, but the cross or crucifixion was actually a very common way that people were put to death back in the time of Jesus. What it's all about for us as Christians is fulfilling that promise of the empty tomb. And that's really and truly what we celebrate as we come together on Easter Sunday. And it's great that we all get dressed up in our best clothing and and we probably have a yummy dinner uh, waiting for you after this. So I promise not to take too long this morning. But uh, and those, those things are all great. But as long as we don't lose the focus of what we're really talking about today. And that's talking about the fact that after three days, Jesus overcame death just like he said he would. And that's what gives us the hope. So this morning, we're actually going to start a four-part series. It's going to be a little bit different. Uh, Instead of a four-part series that ends on Easter, we're actually starting a series this morning called Resurrecting Hope, where we're going to unpack four different things that we see that give us hope from this story. So I want to invite you, if you're here with us this morning or if you're a part of our online audience, to join us again next week, because next week we'll pick up right where we leave off this morning with part two of this series. So I want to set the scene for you. Last week we talked about Palm Sunday and we talked about, you know, Jesus was making his way into Jerusalem for what he knew was going to be his final days. And although many of his followers were still in denial of that fact, Jesus knew what he was facing and he knew what he was walking into. So, so he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and he spent what they call Passion Week in the city of Jerusalem and then he was crucified. He was hung on a cross with nails through his hands and nails through his feet and wearing a crown of thorns. Jesus was put to death. He was put to death by the people that just couldn't stand the thought of Jesus and what Jesus was trying to do. And I want you to put yourself this morning in the the sandals, so to speak, of Jesus' followers. There are these folks who have been following Jesus, right, for three, three and a half years, They've eaten with him. They've stayed with him. they followed him. They've defended him. They've learned from them. These were not only friends. They were family. Jesus was their mentor. They knew that Jesus had come to establish this amazing kingdom and take away all of their sorrows and take away all of their worries and take away all of their sins that had overcome the world at this time. And all of a sudden, Their friend, their family member, their brother, their loved one is put to death on the cross. And I want you to think about how Jesus' followers must have been feeling at that time. Here this amazing man who had meant so much to them was taken from them. He was taken from them. Imagine what that must have felt like when Jesus was put to death. And remember that he was put to death before he established this kingdom that they had been waiting for. And all of a sudden, he's put to death. See, it's this this whole idea of unrealized hope. And I put some pictures up on the screen of of some some ways that maybe you might be able to relate to. And the top one, the guy looking a little frazzled with his laptop, is, is, is maybe... You thought you were going to get the big promotion at work. And you'd been working towards it. And maybe you'd even been promised it. And you'd worked your tail off and you thought, this is it. This is my big moment. I'm about to get this big promotion. And somebody else gets the job. Or maybe even worse, not only did you not get the job, but you lost your job. Or maybe it was a relationship. Maybe you were in a relationship with that person that you just knew was the one. They were the one. They were the man or the woman that God had intended for your life, and something happened in that relationship. And all that hope that you'd have of this perfect life with a white picket fence was dashed right before your very eyes. Or maybe it was your favorite sports team. You guys ever seen this, right? At the end of the World Series, at the end of the Super Bowl, what do they always show? They always show the losing players on the sidelines, and they're crying, you know, and, and their, their eye black is, is running all over their face, and, and they're so emotional, and here's these big, tough football players, right? These big, strong, muscular guys who, who, who spend their entire career, right, trying to knock other guys down, and what are they doing? They're crying. Now, I say that not to make light of the situation, but but I say that to think that that's probably exactly what Jesus' followers were doing. I'm sure there was a lot of disbelief. I'm sure there was a lot of sorrow. And I promise you there were a lot of tears. There were a lot of tears. Because their friend and their mentor was gone. And remember, even though he had told them numerous times that this was going to happen, they still didn't believe it. This still wasn't what they had expected, despite his best efforts to put them in that right frame of mind. But see, that's what happens when somebody close to us passes away. Even at, even at times where we know someone is sick, and, and we know someone maybe is entering those last days of their life, it doesn't make it any easier when they pass. And that's exactly what Jesus' followers were going through. He's gone. It's over. What do we find out if we, if we fast forward a little bit past the end of the story? We know what happened, right? What did his followers do? They all went back to their old lives. They went back to fishing, collecting taxes, the other things that they did, right? They went back to, to, to living their old lives because they thought, it's over. It's over. See, the beautiful thing about Jesus and what he did for us, is that hope appears when we least expect it. And that's the story that you're going to see here in just a few minutes as we get ready to, to follow this story of Mary going to the tomb, is that hope arrived when she least expected it. I want you to jump with me into John chapter 20. So open your Bibles or your Bible app. John chapter 20, we're going to start in Verse 11. And again, this is after that Jesus was crucified on the cross and after they had taken the body and they they had taken it to the tomb. And they had rolled the stone right in front of the doorway and they'd sealed the tomb. And they put the Roman soldiers there to make sure that nothing happened to Jesus' body. And we pick up in verse 11, it says, now Mary stood outside of the tomb crying. It says, as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb." Right? Because now we know in our story that the, tomb, that the tomb is open, that the stone had been rolled away, and that the tomb was empty. And Mary is distraught. She's distraught that she got there and the body was gone. It says, and they saw two angels sitting in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. It says, and they asked her, woman, why are you crying? Now, remember, back in this time and this place, to refer to someone as woman was not an insult. We often see Jesus doing this throughout the Bible. It was, it, sometimes today, right, we would not refer to our wives or our girlfriends or our mothers as woman. But it was not an insult. I just want to assure you of that. The angels were not insulting Mary. They were simply saying, hey, why, why are you crying? And she says, they have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. So on top of the feelings that Mary's already having of the fact that Jesus had died, now she goes to, to, to mourn him, right? And he's gone. So now on top of everything else, she thinks that somebody has done something terrible and stolen the body. It says, at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. Now, that factor in and of itself tells you the amount of pain and the amount of heartache and the amount of sorrow that Mary is experiencing. She didn't even recognize Jesus. and She was one of his closest followers. She had spent a lot of time with him, and even she didn't recognize Jesus. Now, I would argue that there's a whole other sermon we could get into right here about the fact that sometimes we don't recognize Jesus even when he's standing right in front of us. But I digress, because then you will miss lunch. But it says she turned around and saw him standing there, and she didn't even recognize who he was. Because A, right, he's dead, and B, she is so overcome with despair. See, Easter comes at just the right time. And in this case, Jesus came at just the right time. Because see, when Mary was at the pit of her despair, when she was just beyond heartbroken, and now she had just had another thing put on her plate that the body's not there, Jesus shows up at just the right time. And I love that about this story. See, Jesus knew that Mary needed him, and he showed up. And see, Jesus shows up for you and I when we need him the most. But we have to know and be open to seeing him there. It says, he asked her, woman, why are you crying? See, there we go again. Woman, why are you crying? It says, who is it that you're looking for? I love this next line, but we're going to unpack this a little bit more later on. It says, thinking he was the gardener. I have to tell you guys a little side story. I spent almost a year walking our youth group through the book of John. And when we came to this verse, this was their favorite verse. So to this day, if I ask one of those kids, hey, what did you learn from the book of John? Jesus was the gardener, without fail. All that hard work. No, I'm just kidding. But it says thinking he was the gardener, right? Because again, she's so in distraught, she's so in despair, she's probably not even really looking at him. She just assumes this is somebody else who's bothering her. It says, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. See, Mary was dedicated to the cause. And Mary thinks Jesus is the gardener. We're going to look at that a little bit closer because I I feel like that that verse is there for a reason. But as we continue with our story, it says, Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. See, when he spoke to her, when she heard the voice of Jesus, she knew who he was. Now talk about your mood swing. Talk about your paradigm shift. Just a second ago, she was so distraught that she didn't even realize it was Jesus. And imagine the joy that came to her when she realized that Jesus was standing there. Think about that flood of emotions. The prophecy was fulfilled. Jesus was not dead. Jesus had not been taken. He was right there. See, that's what gives us our hope. And that's what Easter is really all about, is the hope that we get. But Mary cried out. She recognized him immediately as soon as he spoke to her. And see, Jesus knew that that's what what she needed. He knew that he needed to speak to her to get her to understand, to kind of snap her out of this grieving state that she was in to say, Hey, it's me. And I feel like sometimes Jesus works that way in our lives too, right? We start this spiral, and we start this, this, this downward swing, and we just feel like our life is going off the rails. And sometimes Jesus has, has to say, hey, you, to kind of shake us out of it. And I think that's exactly what he's doing in this verse. I I, I love this picture, and I chose this picture for a reason, because Jesus is kind of waving at her, like, Hello, it's me. But I think it's a powerful example of the open tomb. It's a powerful example of Jesus appearing to Mary. And the look of surprise on her face as she's like, Oh, hi, yeah. Because she wasn't expecting him to be there. Because, see, Jesus does the unexpected. Jesus overcame death. That was not expected. People didn't just die and come back to life. That's not a normal thing. But Jesus can do the unexpected. As we continue with our text, it says, Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. It says, go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to the Father, and to my Father, excuse me, and your Father, to my God, and your God. He's saying, hey, don't cry. Don't be upset. It says, go and tell the others. What an important job that Mary was given. Can you imagine getting to be the person that gets to go tell everyone, Jesus isn't dead. He did exactly what he said he would. What an important and amazing job job but see we talked last week about when we were talking about the lessons that we learned from the donkey and we talked about being available and being accessible and Mary was both because she was there she was there and God used her in a mighty mighty powerful way it says Mary Magdalene went on to the disciples with the news I have seen the Lord and she told them that he had said these things to her. How fast do you think Mary ran? I would argue she probably set some new records. When she took off from Jesus and went to get to go to tell the disciples that had already gathered, that Jesus was still alive? I bet she could have walked on water. But she just couldn't wait to share that news. And we as Christians can't wait to share that news about who Jesus is and about the love that he had for us and about the, the depths that he was willing to go to to save us. That's the true key to what we're talking about today. Now, as I promised earlier, I want to unpack this gardener idea. Because on the surface, it just looks like a little comedy thrown into the Bible, right? We think, oh, the she thought he was the gardener. But I think there's more to it than that, because what does a gardener do? A gardener plants a garden, and a gardener tends to the garden, and he waters, and he pulls the weeds, and he does the pruning to make something better and something more beautiful. And I hope that takes you back to the book of Genesis. And if it doesn't, I want you to turn back to the book of Genesis with me. We're going to start Genesis chapter 3 in verse 8. Excuse me, verse 9, I apologize. All right, so Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from him, from the Lord God, among the trees of the garden. Verse 9 says, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, so I hid. Now, that's a very common story, I think, for most of us, right? We know that when God created the earth, he created this beautiful, this magnificent, this perfect place. He created this perfect place where he desired to have a relationship with man. So I don't think it's a mistake that Mary thinks Jesus is the gardener. Because depending on how you want to look at it, Jesus was a gardener. He he created this beautiful, beautiful, magnificent place. And what did we do? We messed it up. We messed it up. We broke the one commandment, right, back then? The one commandment was don't eat the fruit of the tree. And what did we do? We ate the fruit of the tree. He knew he had to fix it. He knew he had to fix it, just like a gardener might fix a plant, might fix a tree. He knew he had to fix it. And see, he can do that. And he can do that in our lives. So I don't think it's a mistake that we have this reference to a gardener. Because I think if we look at it, Jesus is the gardener. Because what is he doing in our lives? Every single day, he's preparing us. He's pruning us. He's feeding us. He's getting us ready so that we can be the best versions of ourselves for him and for the kingdom. And I think that's exactly why we hear this reference to the gardener. Because in a way, Jesus was a gardener. Not just a case of mistaken identity, but I think there's a lesson that we can learn. quote from Martin Luther says, Our Lord has written the promise of resurrection, not in the books alone, but in every leaf in the springtime. Now, most of you know, I am not a Californian. I was not born and raised in California. I'm a transplant, but I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in this little tiny, tiny small town in Illinois in the middle of a cornfield. And I'm not joking when I say that, but we actually had seasons We actually had the four seasons. Now, it wasn't like California, where springtime is like one day, and the next day, it's a hundred. Or it's not like California, where we get like a really cold day, and it's like 50, which is cold in California, and we say, oh, winter's here, and the next day, it's 70. We actually had the four seasons. Now, where I grew up in Illinois, winters were pretty miserable. It was very cold, and it was usually very gray, and it would snow and we would get ice and it would be miserable and everything would die. The trees would die, the grass would die, the flowers would die, everything died in the winter. Was just led to that feeling of kind of gloom and doom and just, when is this gonna be over? And then something really cool would happen. Usually somewhere around March, maybe April and that's we'd get that first really nice sunny warm day and when I say warm it'd be like 50 and we'd break out the shorts and the tank tops and you know all that but what would happen each and every spring is we would see a transformation we we would see a transformation from winter to spring and the grass would start to get green And for those of us weird people that love taking care of lawns, it was really cool because we get to mow again. But the flowers would start to bloom. See, just when we thought, man, I just can't handle one more day of winter, spring would hit. Now, of course, spring also means baseball, so there's other things involved. But see, every year, Just when you couldn't quite take any more of this gray, cold, windy, miserable weather, spring would come. It's the same thing with Easter. It's the same thing with the resurrection. See, since back in the garden, we we started this cycle of sin that just continued and continued to get worse and to get worse and to get worse until God knew he had to do something. See, he knew he had to fix it. He knew spring had to come because the path that we were on was not going to lead us where he wanted us to go. See, sin just kept growing and kept overtaking the world, just like how winter overtook the land. And then spring comes. And then Jesus, out of his love for us, not because we deserved it, Half of the world at this point didn't even believe in in him or who he was. But because of his love for you and me, he went to the cross. And more importantly, just like he said he would, three days later, he rose from the grave. See, that's what gives us hope. That's what proves that Jesus is who he said he was. He wasn't just a man, because just a man can't be crucified on a cross, can't be killed, and come back from the dead. It just doesn't work that way. But Jesus can. And if he can overcome death, if he can raise from the grave after three days, imagine what he can do in your life. Imagine what he can do in your life. He can break those chains. He can help you get out of those bad relationships. He can help you break those addictions. If he can rise from the grave after three days, he can do anything. And he wants to. And see, that's the kicker is he wants to do those things in your life that give you hope that what you're doing now or where you're headed now doesn't have to be where you end up. There's nothing more sad than when I hear somebody say, I'm too far gone. I've made too many mistakes. I've made too many sins. God could never forgive me. God could never love me. The story that we just read tells a different story. It tells a story of hope. And that's the hope that you and I have because Christ was willing to die for you and for me. And because of that, none of us, none of us can ever be too far gone. If we'll devote our lives to Christ, if we'll follow him with every ounce of our being, we can never be too far gone regardless of our past see the resurrection was victory over death it was a victory see when Jesus went to the cross there were two camps right there was Jesus's followers and think about how that we talked about how were they feeling they were, they were distraught, they were in despair, they were in tears. They thought it's over. And what was the other camp? The people that wanted Jesus killed were celebrating. They were high-fiving, Woohoo! we did it. We got rid of that Jesus guy. And they thought they had won. And I can just imagine them, they're celebrating, they're breaking out the wine. Having a good old time. We did it. We got rid of Jesus. Woohoo! And then three days later, what happens? Like any good movie, three days later, plot twist. Right? You thought you knew how the ending was going to happen. His disciples thought they knew how the story ended. They thought it already ended. And three days later, plot twist. Victory. I always like to jokingly say, "I've read the book. I know how it ends. We win. We win." When Jesus rose from the grave after three days, we win. I want to read one last scripture with you, and that's in John chapter 11, verse 25. It says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Highlight that, underline that, commit that to memory. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. See, that's the hope. That's the plot twist. That's the my past doesn't matter. Imagine a life without that hope. I want you to think just for a second. If all the mistakes that you have made in your life and all the mistakes that you will continue to make, because we're all sinners, imagine if you still had to pay the price for each and every one of those mistakes that you've made. I don't know about you, there's not a lot of hope there. But because Jesus died, and because Jesus rose on the third day, you're no longer responsible for those. He took that for you. He took the punishment that you and I deserved on the cross and he wiped the slate clean see that's the hope that's what Easter is all about it's the fulfilled promise the fulfilled promise and the hope that we have to spend the rest of our lives with Jesus a couple of things I want to leave you with here this morning there's nothing that God cannot do Nothing. If Jesus can be raised from the dead, there's nothing that he can't do. And that's the feeling that I want you to walk away with this morning. When you walk out these doors and you get ready to go do your Easter egg hunts and and eat your ham or eat your lamb or whatever you're going to eat this morning, I want you to remember that there is nothing that God can't do. Absolutely nothing. See, sometimes we say, "My, my problems are too big. I I can't go to God with that. My problems are too big. Well, I'm going to flip that script. Your problems aren't too big because God is bigger. And to him, your problem that is all-consuming, that's keeping you up at night, is a speck. Because he knows that he can handle that for you if you'll trust in him and you'll take it to him. Here's what I want you to think about. Not only today, but going forward. Death is the thing that defeats everyone. It does not, however, defeat Jesus. He overcame death to overcome the world. Not even death could stop Jesus and his mission to save the world. And I want you to think about that. And lastly, and probably most importantly, I want you to embrace the hope that is offered to you in Jesus Christ. Because maybe you came in the doors this morning and and something's heavy on your heart. And and that's true for a lot of us. This has been a a just unbelievably difficult few years. But maybe you came in today weighed down by something in your life. Maybe you're feeling inadequate. You're feeling that you're not good enough. You're feeling that you've made too many mistakes. Maybe you're even feeling that God doesn't love you. But nothing could be farther from the truth. Because he loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And he wants to save you. We talked earlier about leaving the 99 for the one. And that's exactly what Jesus wants to do in your life. Maybe you're the one. Maybe you're that one. He's willing to leave all the others to come chasing after you. Because he wants to save you. And that's the hope that you have this morning. Regardless of of the baggage that you may have brought in with you here this morning, know that you can leave that to Jesus. And that you can walk out of here this morning with the hope, the hope that Easter brings, the hope of spending an eternity in heaven. Maybe you've never had a chance to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never had a chance to be baptized. So you can have those sins, those mistakes that you've made wiped away so that you no longer have to be defined by who you were. You can be defined in the way that God sees you. You have a chance to do that here this morning. You have a chance to be baptized, to have that slate wiped clean. To walk out of here and not have to worry about those mistakes that you've made in the past. Or maybe you've been a Christian your whole life. And life just happens. And you've gotten off track. Or maybe you've got some things that are just weighing down heavily on you. And you would love to just talk about that and pray about that. Myself and the elders will be up front. We're also available after services as well. We would love to talk with you. We would love to pray with you. We would love to help you in any way that we can. In just a moment, we're going to sing the song called Reckless Love. And sometimes we say, well, well God's love isn't reckless. True. But what is reckless is that he would send his son to die for your sins. And that's the real meaning of the song. Would you please stand together as we sing the song? I spoke a word, you, were over me. you have made.